Welcome back, folks, to Two Bits One Puck. I'm your host, Mr. Intangibles, and a bin boy, Dan Masters, with my good friend, the Stangling Elliot Friedman, and the man who likes to read the rule book, Will Everett. Will, how you doing? I, d- I know we've said it before, Dan, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not East Anglian. I'm currently stationed there, but I'm not. I'm Kentish. Yeah, but the Kentish Elliot Friedman doesn't have a ring to it, does it? East Anglian Elliot Friedman has a ring. I mean, to like it. I kind of, I like I get, I get the alliteration that you're going for, but I don't appreciate and also the. You, uh, don't sound, you don't sound Kentish either. Well, I I, cool. You're not saying I sound blue and East Anglian, are you? No, but you've, you, there's a weird hybrid thing going on. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. So, but, um, and yeah, it's it's about pizzazz, Will. That's what it's about. It's about some, some, some juice. <laughs> pizzazz. <laughs> All right, I'll give you that. I'll I'll do it for pizzazz. But apart from that, yeah, I'm I'm fine, thanks. All right, it's a packed show this week. Loads of news, so uh, should we just get on with it? Yeah, go on. time of the week. It's the smooth recap. In the battle of the Hughes brothers, Jack wins out, scoring his first goal in the process. He doesn't only win the match, but now wins his parents' unconditional love and the entire content of their will, because Quinn is now a huge disappointment. Who'd have thunk it? Patrick Marlowe is playing a point-per-game pace, yet that's still not enough to drag the San Jose Sharks from the depths of the Pacific Division. Marlowe will have to keep banging them in for the Sharks to improve on their 3-5-1 record. NHL marketing is in full steam, and they are so desperate they're now looking for clout on Instagram. Matt Barzal takes two high sticks to his face and compares himself to Kylie Jenner. Shameless promotion. In pugilism news, Colby Cave has earned some hairy-knuckled fans after knocking Martin Pospin. Pospisil, unconscious in an AHL fight. That's definitely going to get him some heart votes come awards season. Fans of the Chemical Brothers in Buffalo are happy as Carter pushes the Hutton. Is named one of the NHL <laughs> stars of the week, posting a 5-0-0 record with 1.4 goals against. Quinton Byfield is the second coming of Eric Lindros. Book it. After a literal hangover last season, the Capitals are picking up the pace, and none more so than John Carlson, who leads the league in points. If anyone says the KHL is corrupt, they clearly do not appreciate the genius of the SKA St. Petersburg's GM. The Russian wizard managed a prize in the league's top goaltender, Alex Samanov, from Vityaz in exchange for a 500 goalie with a sub-900 save percentage. SKA were kind enough to even throw in a forward with 5 points in 15 games in exchange for a forward with 6 points in 12 games. Very shrewd move. Galchenyuk, Galchenyuk does whatever a hockey player does. Gets injured for the pens. Now he's bitten by a spider. Look out, we've got a real Spider-Man. Condolences to all affected by the tornadoes in the Dallas area. Uh, thoughts go out to you and your families, and here's hoping for a speedy recovery for everyone affected and, and the entire community as a whole. And that was your smooth recap. 
Dude, Alex Galchenyuk got bit by a spider. Yeah, that's no excuse for like. I, I feel <laughs> the way you've said that has like read my mind because I was thinking I want to make it clear that smooth recap isn't an excuse for musical numbers. And uh, the way you responded there seemed like I'd already said that. Um, <laughs> I will reiterate, Dan, th- this isn't happening moving forward. We're not turning in... It's not going to be the jingle recap. Dude, a man got bit by a spider in real life. In hockey. <laughs> in in real life. If you know, a man got bit by a spider. <laughs> Spiders don't even bite. Was it like a bad spider bite? I don't know. But I, he was recovering from his injury... And he got bitten by a spider, and he react. He had a negative reaction to it. He had <laughs> an allergic reaction to it, and it got obviously it's inflamed on his skin somewhere, and it's pushed his like it's pushed his recovery back even further because obviously now he's sort of on more medication and more pain pills and everything to try and combat not only his injury but the spider bite as well. To call it a negative reaction sounds like Galchenyuk has literally turned into... You know when Spider-Man's the man spider or whatever is predominantly spider? <laughs> like, that's happened to Galchenyuk. And, and Jim Rutherford's come out and like, he's had a negative reaction to a, to a radioactive spider bite. We expect him to be week to week moving forward. We're just waiting for you know, those limbs to retract. You see, you say that, but we have evidence that there are positive reactions to spider bite. Hence, Spider-Man. So I have to, I have to clarify negative or positive just to be clear. Mate, I don't know about that. Like Peter Parker's uncle died. Uh, he lost his job. Became ostracized, even more ostracized than he was within his own community. Poor Alex Galchenyuk. Look forward to him fighting Mysterio in a, in the near future. Who's winning the cup? Instead of winning the cup, uh, I'm going to choose a team to be promoted this week, Dan. And. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take the promotion aspect of it very literal. I want to promote Nathan W. Pyle. Dad, have you ever heard of Nathan Pyle? The name vaguely rings a bell. He does a fantastic webcom... Well, he does a series of webcomics. His most famous one is uh, it's called Strange Planet. It's about a set of aliens just experiencing very mundane, oh, yes. average human yes. Earth things, but explaining them the way that like an alien would explain them. So like yeah, his, his most famous one, I think the first one he did was about... When you tidy up, when you have people over, oh, we must put these oddly shaped objects in flatter objects, and then like people come round and say, "Oh, what a lovely house you have!" Like, yes, we own things, but we've hidden them. Just fantastic. He's he's got a book coming out later this year. Anyone who who likes very silly little web comics, go and check out Nathan Pyle because he's going to win the cup this year. Uh, my winning the cup is the Washington Capitals. Because the future in Washington is bright, as the Might of the Night interview told us, featuring a young man named Jackson Friedlander. Everything about the Washington Capitals program moment is on fire. Jackson, you were on fire out there tonight. How did it feel to play on that big ice? All I wanted is to have some speed and have fun. Hockey, always remember, hockey's not about winning. It's always about fun. I love it, you guys. He's like a little motivational speaker down here. You might have some coaching in your future, I think. Now I gotta know, who's your favorite Caps player? It's Ovechkin, and always, I have a tarantula named Michael. He's a curly hair. He just had two crickets on Monday, one on Sunday. He has a big appetite. And I, I love it because I love people who name their animals after humans. As I once knew a cat called Jeff. But that's a different story for another time. Good, good name. I feel we should uh, we should investigate this uh, this young mite because 
is it a coincidence that the Capitals interview a young man who has a petrantula called Michael and uh, Alex Galchenyuk playing for their rival Pittsburgh Penguins suddenly goes down with a spider bite. The clues are there, people. The clues it's are It's all... There. It's staring you in the face, people. <laughs> all right, who's getting relegated? Who's getting relegated? Uh, a serious relegation this week, Dan. Like, I've got no jokes whatsoever about his relegation. I'm going to relegate David Johnston. He's the chairman, currently the chairman of the Chelsea Supporters Trust. Have you have you heard this story about the uh, less honourable David Johnston, Dan? No, I haven't. No. What's so the the headline quote from this piece on the Athletic about Mr. Johnson, which which is about some some leaked emails of his from earlier in the season, in the in the preseason, uh, the headline quote was he is one thousand percent against promoting gay rights, being the head of the Chelsea supporters club in 2019 really really good so it was a series of of leaked emails about how he doesn't want to have a a rainbow banner with the chelsea flag on it hanging anywhere in stamford bridge a series of emails that were were released and the, the choice quote which really stood out to me from mr johnston i'll read it verbatim not going to happen in the matthew harding stand unless we have a proud of being a white english heterosexual crowd surfer which uh, to me says not only is Mr. Johnston a raging homophobe, uh, he's also actually fucking racist. Because why would you mention that you're proud of being a white English homosexual, white and English uh, heterosexual? Sorry. So not only is he, yeah, the head of the Supporters Trust. I will reiterate that uh, is, you know, on record saying he's effectively a racist. And a homophobe. For, for one of the largest, most high-profile clubs in world football, it's uh, it's disgraceful. It's absolutely disgraceful. And he should be sacked, if not stepped down, immediately. I know we don't like to bust out these kinds of words all the time, but I, I feel sometimes they're useful in this scenario. I think it's clear that this man is an absolute cunt. Oh, yeah. At the very least, we need to set Michael on him. I always like the idea of the punishment kind of as I want to think of the dark side of things sometimes. The punishment for something like that should be he should just be locked in a room with ten fucking giant gay dudes for like a day. And just whatever happens, happens. Maybe they'll just tickle him to death. Maybe they'll just paint rainbows all over him. I don't know. But get in that room, lock the door, and then we'll ignore the screams. If, if you could have like, I don't know what the number would be, but like three, maybe three, and one's like particularly violent, one's like particularly horny, and what I know, one's particularly placid or something, and just see how that, you know, see no evil, hear no evil, etc. sort of thing. Yeah. See how that plays out. Do you know what? I will say as well, thank you for bringing that to our attention, because now we know. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, maybe we should do this more. Maybe we should do this more often. We should, <laughs> you know, like Vice does all these weird kind of exposés <laughs> and things. <laughs> well, well we, we just take other people's exposés and then just highlight yes. them and say that we expose them. Yes, Here's our expose. <laughs> this guy's an absolute twat. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I'm going to relegate some of the uh, something a bit close to home, and this may be the first of many this season. It looks like it's going to be another long goal season for the uh, Ottawa Senators, who are being relegated by me this week. A classic. Their power play. Have you seen their? Have you seen their power play? Uh, no, I haven't seen their power play. I haven't even heard about their yes. power play. What, what are they clicking at, Dan? It's currently converting at a earth-shattering day after tomorrow style three percent, which is, I mean, just great, isn't it? Really, I think they're one for twenty-six or one for twenty-five, something like that. 
That's pretty rough. That's a pretty low number of opportunities as well, which which is even worse. Even even worse. It doesn't only show that their power play isn't great. It shows that they're not doing enough to actually get power plays. Like maybe they don't have the puck enough to even have that happen. <laughs> that's that's horrendous. I I hate to correct you there, Dan, but it's four uh, percent today. Oh four. Oh, sorry, four percent. Four percent tied with the Anaheim Ducks. Is the Ducks four percent? Yep, four percent. I don't know how many opportunities they've had though, because I'm foolishly using the uh, NHL website, which on specifically under the power play page devotes three quarters of the space to the regular standings data i was gonna say if you look at the nhl stats page i mean the sense power play could be at 38 percent. yeah I'd, yeah i don't know if this is necessarily accurate i'm just really glad that i've got row's on this power play stats uh, page <laughs> thank god that's really telling telling a bigger picture uh, how many starters and scratches you got? Uh, I've got three starters and two scratches. Holy cow. I have also got three starters and I've got one scratch. So, yeah, you go. You, you go first on starters. Oh, thank you very much. Have you seen a video doing the rounds of the the boy with cerebral palsy at the skate park? No. Oh, my God, Dan. Oh, Give it a little look on, on your Twitters or your Instagrams. The the Berwicks, the famous... Uh... No, because it's one of those ones that's going to make me cry. Oh, yeah, oh, definitely, cry. definitely. So uh, it's, it's one posted without a lot of context, but a young man uh, has cerebral palsy, seems to be having an incredible life, fantastic life. He He's always wanted to ride a skateboard, and his mum has built him a, a, a frame, a frame to support him so that he can ride on the skateboard and it's a video of of it's, it's it's there are sad elements to this as well it's a video of her pushing him around the skateboard a skate park on his board uh, up and down the ramps and he's having a whale of a time it seems he's on a limit at the last minute and he's absolutely loving life which is fantastic it, they're doing it in the rain so there's nobody there which is kind of a little bit sad in some ways but absolute mum of the year you know, it's someone who, without a doubt, is having a far harder time as a parent than many of us out there and can still go the extra mile for her son. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful, whoever that is. I want to say she might be Spanish or, or Mexican or something. Whoever it is, hats off to you. You're incredible. More power to you. I'm going to go along the same kind of route, actually. Mm-hmm. The 12 and unders girls team for the, for the Johnstown Warriors took part in the Little Penguins program in Coal Harbour. Oi. And it's a, a a thing that's kind of uh, that Crosby's a part of. They're all they're foster girls, they're foster children, and it provides them with ten sessions of practice and head to toe hockey gear, which is amazing. <sighs> and the entire team, all seventeen girls, went to a, went to a Penguins game, and they went to, when they played the Ducks, and the coach arranged it, and they thought they were going to another exhibition game to play, so they loaded all the stuff onto the coach. And then they turned up at the arena, and they're there to watch the Penguins. And there's a, there's a, a great picture of a sign of all the girls at the glass holding up a letter each that says Crosby's Girls 87. Beautiful. <gasps> Fantastic. Fantastic. And just a tiny little thing, again, on Crosby. We still don't appreciate him enough. Did you see that goal he scored against the, the Avs? Oh, that one where he just inside out and then... pass. Yeah. And then just delay, 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 backhand, just pass it. Oh, my God. We just... I've said this before. I know he gets, I know he gets press, and I know he gets 
loaded, but it isn't enough. It's not enough. He's so fucking good. Still, he's still so good. He's he's one of the, he plays that style like it's not very flashy. He's almost like a goalie in some ways. There are so many Crosby highlights that you know, you get the incredible ones like that one had a backhand from a couple of seasons ago and like the baseball swings in midair and stuff. But things like this where like you watch it, you think, well, of course he did that. <laughs> what else would he have done? Like that's the obvious thing to do, and that's that's his genius. It just makes it look so. If we can understand why he's done it, then he's, it's like he's teaching while he's playing. <laughs> How can I make this goal well, look watched... as simple as possible? I said it last season. He scored sort of three or four pucks out of the air, and all different ones. One hit the post, one hit the goalie, one he batted to himself, and we just, like you say, we just get used to it. Mm. We just get used to him being amazing and doing amazing things. But if you watch that play against the Avs at normal speed it looks great but you've got to think okay put yourself in his mind at that time imagine you're on the ice close your eyes imagine you're on the ice and you're him at that time for him to be where he is against the board with two D or there's a D-man I think an attacker on him then he deeks around another defender and then with the the, the presence and the, the the sense of mind to just wait out the goalie and just pass it in oh my god crazy so we're not going to tell you in 10 years people because he gets grief at the moment because he plays for the Penguins and he's Crosby and whatever but in 10 years I think the outpouring of oh actually yeah this is one of the best this might he might be one of the three best players who ever lived Ooh. I mean Ooh. I get it you know Gretzky Lemieux or a, the usual top three I tell you for me Crosby is he's fucking close who, who he's not in there who are you displacing from that top three though well, you've got a D-man in there, haven't you? And I'm a Bruins fan, so sorry, Mario. Off you pop. Oh, mate. <laughs> no. I'm joking. Oh, jeez Lu- Louise. Jeez Louise. I, d- I don't know. I- it's tough because Bob Yor changed that position. That's why it's hard. It's tough because he essentially reinvented how you could be a D-man. And he was fucking insane I, at it. That, that's the thing. Even if he hadn't done that... <laughs> He's still, yeah. like, ridiculous. I... I know. So it's hard to then discount him. But I think t- it's time. Time is time gives you more perspective over, okay, what did player X do? What did player Y do? X, Y, Z, whatever. But if you if you said to me right now, is Crosby as good as Lemieux? I think so. I, I really think so. I get it. I get it. But this is what I'm talking about. Look at his highlights. Yeah, but it's hard. Look at his highlights. It's hard to say because we weren't there. We weren't there, though, Dan. I know, I know, and I know Mario is. Wait, but was it? And it's it's different though. It's like we say... can't do this now because we're going to be here all night. Is Mario that much better than Sidney Crosby? Oh, really? I, I think he must be because it's it's apples and oranges, isn't it? Like it's like comparing a Ronaldo pinger to like a Pele pinger or a George Best pinger. I you know what I mean? Like, uh, but look at the. Pl- Look at the players that Crosby's playing against nowadays. Every single player now has access to all this nutrition, all this coaching, all this analytical data, all these videos. Here's how you stop this guy. Here's how you stop this guy. Do this, do that. It's so much faster. Like, at the time, it might have just been that Bobby or Mario, was it just a case that those players were just born better? They could just do it. They just got it, for whatever reason. Like my mate, who's a, he got first in his physics degree. He can just do it. He just gets adding up letters, which is fucking insane. But, like, Crosby's just... We're so used to him doing insane, ridiculous things. So when we go back and watch Mario, we just go, oh, my God, I can't believe he did that. 
but he's playing against guys who had seven beers at like the second period in the mission. <laughs> it's <laughs> you know what I mean? Did you see that? There was a great giggle doing the rounds the other day. Did you see that one? I didn't know. I forget exactly how it starts. He just does this really soft deke and like the D-man just falls over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then the goalies are like, 10 feet out of his crease <laughs> he just skates around with him passes it in so it's you it's it's just laughable it's so bad I know I know that's what I'm saying but at the same I'm time like saying, I'm not saying Mario's not a good player of course he's a, he's better than a good player he's a phenomenal player he is easily one of the best players ever I think I think you're saying that in this day and age Mario is a third liner at best He's, yeah. he's... I mean, he'd he'd make a living on the Canucks fourth line, making four million because that's what they like to do. But <laughs> Ma- Mario Lemieux is basically Connor Sherry, is what you're trying to say. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I th- let's I think... just leave it here because we, we'll go all night otherwise. I, 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 I'm not, and it, it won't turn into an argument. But yeah, we're both. I get what you're saying, but I just it's going to take ten years until we look and sit. We go back and look at Crosby's highlights and go, oh shit, yeah, he was phenomenal. Not just really good, or not just one of the best. A phenom. Oh, yeah. And, and he did it for years and years and years. And was concussed for three years straight in the middle of it and thought, yeah, ah, sod it, I'll exactly. come back. The, the one last thing I do just want to squeeze in about that, Dan. The whole... And it's, it is a valid argument to an extent, the whole thing about, you know, all these... The D-men were shit, the goalies were shit. Every player was shit that wasn't a good player, you know what I mean? Back yeah. in the day. The thing that I struggle with that is... Mario and Gretzky and all were were all still part of that generation. You know what I mean? Like oh, I get it. as as much as like Crosby is held back by his you know higher competition and a higher standard for the NHL, he's also buoyed by it. So it's like yeah, no, it, true, it's almost true. it's all in some ways it's almost more special that Lemieux and Gretzky and all and, and their compatriots were able to sort of power through that. You yeah, know, that they were so <laughs> seven pints of the period sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's... No, I get what you mean. I get what you mean, but I think time will tell. But I still think he's, I still think he's underrated ridiculously. But anyway, go on. What's your next star? Uh, my next star is a completely different tone to my original one, which I'm glad we had that argument about Bobby Orr being much better than Wayne Gretzky. Uh, <laughs> I want to start the two Houston Astros fans who uh, had some very choice seats for one of the World Series games this week. Did you uh, Did you see these Astros fans, Dan? I did not see the Astros fans, and I've been I've been kind of keeping up with the World Series as well. I don't mind a bit of baseball, so, it, but I've not seen this. It seems like you've been keeping up with all the things that I haven't kept up with, which I'm glad that I've got some bits to to uh, to reveal to you. So it's a pair of Astros fans, fantastic seats right behind the catcher, oh, incredible seats. I'm going to wager that they might have had a couple of dupes, you know, a couple of a couple of Smiths before they uh, came to the game. Hang on, was this against the Yankees or was it against the Nationals? Oh, I don't. I... I don't know. Maybe if it, the, if it was the Yankees, that wasn't the World Series game. The World Series started last night. If or the night before, I'd imagine it was against the Yankees. The fact that you know roughly what I'm oh, talking okay, about okay. already. Whoever the pitcher played for goes to pitch the ball. <laughs> These two fans in unison go to dodge a ball that isn't coming their way at all, and it's just a beautiful <laughs> bit of television. Just how in unison they are in their dodge, and then the realization afterwards is, ah, we weren't in danger at all. Oh, it's just fantastic. Beautiful, beautiful bit of cinema. <laughs> there we go. My next starter, speaking of the aforementioned great one, 
Uh, Mr. Gretzky also liked a big saving. Have you seen the video of him talking to uh, Chris Chelios at the Oilers Blackhawks game? Absolutely loves a 60% off a watch, doesn't he, old Gretz? <laughs> he leans over to, I know everyone's seen it, but just leaning over to Chelios and going, hey, I got this $4,000 watch for $1,500. <laughs> Wayne, I'm sure you can afford that watch at full price. It's, it's, really, bargain, it's really heartening that Gretzky is still just a 60-year-old man. Yeah. Still loves a bargain, doesn't he? Look at this two for one on the spaghetti hoops. Fabulous. You you can imagine having that exact same conversation with your uh, yeah with your father in law, but about something a bit more mundane. Like, God, I've got yeah, got ten liters of motor oil for thirty quid. I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. And your last start. Uh, my last start, begrudgingly, is going to be uh, Sonny Milano, who has already scored the uh, the goal of the season. Oh dear, yeah. Jeez, Louise, two. Two back checkers on Sonny's on Sonny's back for the game winner. Just goes between in what in what world is all due respect to Sonny Milano. Sonny Milano, someone who hasn't really yeah, arguably a bust, is coming in on goal. Again, two two back checkers on his back. And he decides to go between the legs, bringing the puck closer to his back checkers. <laughs> <laughs> Just so he can go top in theory, shelf. In theory, it was such a bad idea. It was so, such a bad idea. What, what I'm going to do, just right? Move the puck closer to being taken off. <laughs> this is it. What I'm going to do harder for himself. is I'm going to get this puck and just just tease, just tease the back checkers. Just just get it. <laughs> the most logical thing to do in this situation is to move the puck closer to the defenders. Then he goes between the leg, top cheese, and it's just like for fuck's sake, you bastard! <laughs> Great guy. My last star is a a ride or die friend who was at a college football game in America and his mate had placed a large bet on the outcome of this game and it was going to lose. So this friend went to a phone box and phoned in a bomb threat. <laughs> to the game. <laughs> and that, my friends, is a real friend. God. Look, you know what? If you're listening to this now and you're thinking about your mate, just think about them. Would they do this for you? I bet they wouldn't. <laughs> They're not real friends. This is a real friend. So how, guy. how long was left in the game when he phoned in this bomb for her? I don't know. I don't know. But it was it was clear that his mate was going to lose the bet. I'm I'm just saying, if I'm if I'm Labrooks USA or whoever he plays his bet with, if there's like five minutes left and it's blatant that this team ain't coming back, I'm saying nah, mate, you ain't getting your money back. Jesus Christ, that's that's terrible, <laughs> but also very good. It's terrible, but oh yeah, what a friend. All right, and you got two scratches, so you go first. I do. My first scratch is going to lead on from the Sunny Milano start. Uh, I'm scratching all other between-the-legs goals from here on out. I've had enough of them. Like, like you said earlier about the Sidney Crosby batting pucks out of the air thing, you get a bit of a malaise about it. Um, yeah. It seems that scoring between your legs is just a thing now. Like It's like... Um, yeah, in the 19... 19- yeah, Pasternak did it last night. Yeah, that, that's what made me think. And blooming Essel and Dell scored between the legs last year. Like, I've had enough of this. In, like, you know, 1700 or whatever, someone started scoring on the backhand. I'm sure the first time I was like, <laughs> oh, my good golly gosh, he's scoring on the other side of his stick, you know, boy. And that was incredible. Now it's not really all that, you know, not all that fancy. And we're just, unfortunately, at that stage, we're scoring between your legs, which is weird, but it's just a thing now. Everybody get over it. There we go. It's just passe. Unless you've got two or more back checkers on you, it's not interesting. Actually, 
was going to say, yeah, Sonny Milano is now up the stakes again. So the next guy now has to have three back checkers on him. This is the thing. Sid's going to do it one-handed, mid-air, with the entire team on his back, quite literally. It's going to be in mid-air, mid-air through the legs. And he's going to be dragging Jake Gensel like a ball and chain behind him. Mike's only scratch this week is... I'm going to have to scratch myself. Oh. After... Yeah, well, this might seem like a bit of a hot take. So I tweeted out how cool it was when Elliot Kipchoge broke the two-hour marathon record. You know, he did it in under... You know, he's the first guy... Under, under two hours. Two hours. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, so I watched a little documentary about how he did it, and he cheated. <laughs> he cheated. He, he didn't do that Sorry. thing... You know in The Simpsons when Bart poses as an Italian man in a marathon, he takes the taxi <laughs> to the end. <laughs> so have you seen have you seen all the things they laid out for him to do it? No. No, not nothing. Right. So the course was set just it wasn't a real marathon. He just ran that he just ran the distance. So when you see those people running with him, they aren't other they aren't other competitors. They were people who were positioned in a way, I think it was an inverted V around him to reduce wind drag on him. Oh shit. The course was set out the course was set out for him. It was just straight back and two course. It was in Vienna because they found a strip of road that was something like six miles long. So he ran down it, ran around the roundabout, ran back, ran around about, did that four times. So it was perfectly straight. There was no gradients in the road, there was no like up or down, so it was just a straight run. He wasn't um he had he had these special trainers made that are kind of a bit ooh, are they legal? Made for him for this race. He had pace. So the pacemakers I mentioned, he had pacemakers at different stages. So the pacemakers would run a certain distance at the right speed, then two would tail off, and two new ones would join at the right speed. So they kept changing pacemakers the whole time, so nobody got tired, so to speak. And he had like a car in front of him that had a, a I guess like a glorified laser pointer on the back that fired a green kind of square at the ground near where he was running. So he knew okay, I've got to stick to this pace. If it turned red, he was going too slow. I'm just like, <laughs> hang on a minute. I Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, I do know what you mean, but the geezer still ran 26 miles in under two hours. I know, but come on. There, there was a... Somebody broke Paula Radcliffe's uh, women's marathon record a few days after he actually did that. But that was done in an actual race with other people trying to barge and shove you out the way. And I was like, now that's a real record. Now I can get behind this. This just seems a bit dirty to me. Uh, well, seems a bit... Hey, here's a hockey club for you. It just seems a bit greasy, Will. A bit a little, greasy. greasy. Well, what was the guy's name? Yeah. Was it Elliot Kipchoge? Elliot Kipchoge, yeah. Yeah, the geezer won the London Marathon last year. Like, I, it's not like... It's not like he's just suddenly... two hours? No, in yeah. two hours, two minutes. He's only like... Yeah, it's not like he was some really shit marathon runner. <laughs> and he, his, you know, his, his first best time was like two and a half point. hours. <laughs> He's like, yeah, mate, when you've um when you finished up on a Foster's, do you fancy doing a marathon in under two hours? Oh yeah, one. Just seems a bit cheap. I don't know. He wasn't he wasn't on on the sniff, was he? No. It's it's, it's not like every two hundred meters he was getting a bump. <laughs> It just seems a bit like, oh, this guy's broken the marathon record. Well, he was on a skateboard being pulled by a car. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like it seems a bit cheaty to me. Oh, we've, uh, you know, oh, Dan, someone's broke the uh, the world land speed record. So, oh, well, yeah, it was it was in a custom car that they designed specifically for the test. Oh, well, it wasn't in a it wasn't in a Kia Sorento. 
Oh, not, not interested. <laughs> not interested. See, that to me just seems... That's different. That's different. Someone someone's just landed on Mars, Dan. How, how did they get there? Easy jet? No, it was a, like a specially designed spacecraft. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, fair enough, but... <laughs> no, I, I don't know what you want from him, mate. It's not like it's not like he submitted I that. It's, it's, it's very simple. It's very simple. I want him to break the Toronto Marathon barrier in a marathon. Yeah, but it is a marathon. It's a lot, just because it's, it's not, not in. It's just because it's not in competition nah, I need, or whatever. I need a proper race. I need a proper race. <laughs> that's a real. Like Usain Bolt doing the two hundred meter world record. That was insane. Like, yeah, that's a record. It's it's not like he's he's not using it as a writing time for the next London Marathon or something though. Don't don't worry, kids. I've already I've already won. <laughs> I did it in my own conditions. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm not happy. No, no, no. I'm I'm the one who said it's your point you've brought up. I'm the one who gets to say nah. Sorry. I'm not happy with him. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Let's get him on the next podcast. Have a go at him. There we go. And I'll call and I'll call him a cheat. <laughs> So you really should have scratched. You shouldn't have scratched yourself. You should have scratched Elliot Kobe. I'm scratching myself for not doing my due diligence. <laughs> my due diligence. Forever believing in him. Yeah, for believing in a man who lied to me. As I'm sure, as I'm sure, some of our female listeners can agree. Am I right, sisters? Hey, man. <laughs> fucking hell. Just let you down. All right, go on. What's yours? What's your last one? In, in, in a similar, yeah, completely different. A turn of events. I'm also going to scratch myself, Dan. Um, oh, no. <laughs> but this is for this is for a, a situation that was completely in my control. Listening back to last week's episode because I wanted to hear your wonderful interview with Paul Campbell. What a great guy! What a great guy! I, I'd re- <laughs> I'd repeatedly alluded <laughs> to a coach having been fired <laughs> when nobody's been fired. <laughs> there are at least three instances I think where I. <laughs> I mentioned that, oh, at least he hasn't lost his job like some people. Because, Dan, I was I was wholeheartedly believing that John Hines had been fired. <laughs> I forget. So you, said on the pod, you said on the podcast, because I mentioned that they brought uh, Tom Fitzgerald. Was it Tom Fitzgerald? Mm. Yeah, that was his name, wasn't it? Down yeah. to the bench. And you said something like, I wonder how long it's going to last. And I just thought you meant, oh, how long it's going to last with him being there with John Hines. I didn't realise. <laughs> so you thought... <laughs> I thought John Hines had been sacked. <laughs> You thought Tom Fitzgerald was there to replace John Hines, Yeah, yeah. Be with him. No, yeah. <laughs> to replace <laughs> I him. And I'd said something about when we were talking about Bruce Petrow. I said, like, oh, well, he's lucky to still have his job, unlike some people. <laughs> I didn't even so, pick up on that. My, my apologies to uh, to our listeners. Um, nobody's been sacked. John Hines does still, <laughs> still have his job. <laughs> Christ. All right, let's move on. So before we talk to Meredith Foster, you can go to Red Circle Podcasts, find Two Bits One Puck, and you can donate or sponsor us. Also, more importantly, my daughter asked me if people left us five-star reviews on iTunes, and I said, I don't know. So if you decide to do that, folks, it's not for us. It's for a bright-eyed eight-year-old girl who still sees the world as a good place, okay? So, you know, don't, don't let her down, because that would be, that'd be a horrible person. You can also listen to us on Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and anywhere else you decide to have us coming in your ears. Let's get on to our talk with Meredith Foster. I, I think after we talked to Meredith, we became best friends, right? Over the course of this interview, I think. I think we're all best friends, really. I mean, yeah. she's an Arsenal fan. She hates the NHL. 
more than we do because she actively doesn't participate in it. <laughs> which exactly. which made, made me feel she... pretty bad, to be honest, Dan. Like, are we yeah, are so we wrong for still supporting the NHL ultimately? Yeah, <laughs> this interview is over two parts because we I sort of realised last week after I after we mentioned Paul Campbell, is that I thought, well, why am I putting a time constraint on people we're talking to? I shouldn't have done that. And Paul will be back on in the future, so it's okay. In talking to Meredith, I realised let's just have it in two. We'll just have a one part one this week and part two next week, and it works out fine. And she likes cooking. She says she's cranky all the time, and she likes cats. I mean, what's not to like? She sounds great. She's basically you, she, really. Yeah, she's a great writer. She really knows her stuff, and yeah, we became best friends. Okay, here she is, Meredith Foster. Hello. Hello. Meredith. Hi. Hi guys, how are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Fantastic. Cheers for just coming on, Meredith. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Don't even, don't even. I'm Will, by the way. The uh, the other voice is Dan. Okay. I'm the what's the word? I'm the rough northerner of the of the team. <laughs> <laughs> what variety of northern are we talking here? Between Manchester and Liverpool, I'm equidistant oh, nice. between between the two. So yeah, I get all the culture, but also all the problems. <laughs> <laughs> Well, especially today, I mean, you know, depending on what happens between uh, between the United and uh, Liverpool, we'll see how many oh, problems yeah. we get. Well, I don't support either team, so I'm okay. I can just enjoy that game as a neutral. But oh, there wife, you go. Yeah, my wife's a big Liverpool fan, so she's watching it now. Okay, okay. It's just kicked off, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. All right. Are you, uh, you would say you're sucking yourself there, Meredith? Yeah, I'm an Arsenal fan, so... Hey, there we so go. So life is suffering, so, you know... Yeah, it's, uh, I'm a I'm a gooner too, and it's it's been a hard. It's one of those funny things in sports where the hardness is, you know, coming sixth in the Premier League, which is just a terrible, terrible life to have to live. Yeah, it's bit not great. Being, bit of being generally successful but not successful enough is is really hard. Well, see, I'm like I only got into football maybe about a year and a half ago, and so mm. I didn't know that Emery was the first coach in so many years, and so oh, then crikey. to watch this last year. It's just like, okay, this is going to be my life now, isn't it? Okay, sure, let's do it. Why not? <laughs> I, I suppose in some ways it's good that you missed out on the, the later years of Arsene Wenger and just seeing <laughs> this this idol of, of Arsenal football slowly like being sort of ushered into the darkness and, and having oh, fans God. turn on him and the entire world just collapsing around you. Um, yeah, it wasn't all that fun. Maybe that's a small mercy then, yeah, who knows. Quicker then, how did you get into soccer then? What's the link? Um, I was watching, so I did a lot of freelance writing for a couple of years, and I was just need, I needed some background noise, and the World Cup was on, and I just, I was just going to be white noise while I did some work, and then I got into it. I started enjoying what I was watching, and it's just, it just kind of snowballed. So, so it was pro- procrastination brought you to football. <laughs> Basically, yeah, <laughs> procrastination and an accident, and then like. Because I fell in love with Team Croatia during the World Cup, and it just oh, they became they beca- they became my team. You can't come on an English podcast, Meredith, and say you fell in <laughs> with sorry, fell in love with Croatia in the 2018 <laughs> World Cup. Oh, that's true. Oh God, that's true. Oh. Actually, yeah, no, Meredith, it's been shit. great. We'll we'll talk to you yeah, soon. Okay, bye bye. bye. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've done my best. Right, good. The Americans <laughs> alienated people already. This is off to a great start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. You know, start as you mean to carry on. <laughs> No, I was going to say that Will and I always talk about the link between hockey and soccer. Is it we feel that if soccer fans watched hockey for a couple of weeks, they would get fully into it. And we feel the same if hockey fans then just watched soccer for a few weeks, they would find themselves really enjoying it because we think they're very similar. Yeah, I do too. I think um, 
a lot of the complaint that hockey that hockey fans seem to have against it is the speed. They think that the game isn't exci- isn't as exciting because you don't get as many goals. But I do think like a lot of the uh, um, what's the word I want? A lot of the just like fundamentals of it, and a lot of the theories of the game are really similar. And so I think you're right. If you just give it a shot, I think you'd really enjoy it. I think the thing that can really appeal to maybe more the more tactically minded hockey fan with footy yeah. is like you really it's so big picture and you really can see right this is what this team's actually trying to do and it's just going to take rather than you know a split second you're end to end and yeah. you've got a play happening you can see right. Oh, right this is what they're trying to do let's see if it works out sort of thing and how did and last question on soccer how did you choose arsenal oh, sure kind of just by gut because i know a lot of liverpool fans like a lot of my friends all over the world who like soccer are liverpool fans but they didn't just they didn't grab me in that very specific fan sort of way you know what i mean even though, like, I adore, I adore Jurgen Klopp. I think he's fantastic, and they've got some great players. Yeah. But I was just sort of flipping around waiting to find my team, and then it was an Arsenal game, and it's just like, oh, no, it's going to be you idiots, isn't it? <laughs> yep. And then sure enough, <laughs> and I'm just like, I adore Pierre Aubameyang. I just I adore Hector Bellerin both as a player and as a person, and it's just they just they just got me. <laughs> That's fabulous. That's fabulous. It is that weird thing. We've talked about it on the show before. Just being hockey fans. We don't have to pick mm-hmm. a team. There's no geographical reason for either of us to pick our no. teams. There's no reason we can't just watch the game and enjoy it as a spectacle. But something innate in us says we have to find exactly. something to root for and somebody to pick. And yeah, it's always the same. Exactly. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote um. There's a soccer blog I've written a couple of articles for called Unusual Efforts. I wrote a whole piece I think back in January about just become about just becoming a fan, and it's that exact thing. It's just you don't know what it is. It's just very like, it's just very. Very, a very emotional tie that you wind up to with the sport. It's great, even if it hurts like hell. Still yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's the same as choosing a partner in life. I think sometimes mm-hmm. you there are certain you you can. God, my wife's going to kill me if she hears this. But I've said the same. Thing. <laughs> I've said to my wife all the time. I say I don't know what drew me into wanting to be with you, but I just couldn't stay away from you. And my wife is oh, not. So she funny. does not. Uh, if you say to me, "What do you like in a woman?" Usually, like. And I don't usually go for the stereotypical women, but I, it was never anything that my wife has. And I still don't know what draws me into her. But it's, you know, one of those That's weird so things. fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I love it. It's funny looking at like the, sorry, the infancy no. of any, any relationship, be it, you know, uh, yeah, in, in, in real life or with a sport, sports team mm-hmm. or whatever. It's that early days of almost choosing the person and not knowing quite how far you get and then, Suddenly, Absolutely. just wake up one day and like, oh, this is my life now and I can't imagine it mm-hmm. any other way. Totally. It's a beautiful thing. It <laughs> okay. is. I was going to do a whole fancy introduction, but I feel like we're already talking, so what's the point? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's just kind of, yeah, the flow is already there, so let's just, uh, in, a, yeah. in a very Mark Maron style, let's just go from here and carry on. Um, Bring it. So, obviously you work over at, for the Ice Garden, over at SB Nation. Yes. You focus on uh, primarily Finland and Sweden. How did you, yes. um, how did, you come to do that job. How did you get to that point? Um, getting this entire job was an accident. Like so much of my life in sports has been a total accident. Um, when the Ice Garden put out their initial call that they wanted um, people in 2016, I um, I was already following on Twitter uh, Hannah Beavis, who was our original editor, yeah. and I was already like I liked women's hockey, but it like I didn't think I knew anywhere near enough to actually like write and sound like I know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? And so I applied to be an editor and a proofreader because I love picking out people's commas and things like that. 
I'm just, I'm that, I'm that nerd. And so I sent her my application and she came back to me and was like, I want you to write. I really like your voice in this application. Will you consider writing for us? It's like, uh, okay, okay. If, and if I have to. Um, but I got into the Nordic hockey because I actually, I lived in Finland for a year. And so um, it just seemed like natural to go from this place that I was already interested in, that I've spent a lot of time in, and that nobody really in the English language seemed to be talking about these places. Like, and it's so kind of, I write articles that I would want to read. Um, and then the more that I read about it, the more I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is definitely my turf. And it turned out actually when I lived in Finland, the, um, the um, then Espo Blues actually played in the rink right behind where I lived. And I didn't realize this when I was there because I wasn't a sports fan yet. But so they won a bunch of championships literally in my backyard almost. <laughs> That's unbelievable. So how did you live in, why did you live in Finland then? Um, I got, I was an au pair for a year. Like basically I got out of university. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to get to the country somehow and like more than just a vacation. I wanted to actually like really experience it. So I got myself an au pair job and I was there for a year and then I went back. I was there from 2010 to 2011 and then I went back in 2012 for about a month. And then in 2015, I went back as my kind of my 30th birthday present to just to myself. I'm like, all right, screw it. I'm taking a vacation. I'm going back to Helsinki. And then I went to Sweden for the first time in, what was it? Yeah, April of 2018 to get to see some games and get to do some interviews in person. It was really cool. Meredith, you said you, you weren't even a sports fan full stop no. while you were living in, in, in Finland. How how did you get into, into sports so late in life? Um, Again, more accidents. <laughs> I, um, I could have assumed. Yeah. <laughs> well, because, like, I didn't grow up with, like, you know, the stereotype. So you think of American families, you think of, like, you know, it's Sunday, your dad's watching, your dad's watching football, or he's watching baseball, and he's yelling at the TV. My dad was a philosophy professor who couldn't give two rats about sports. So I didn't have any of that. And then when I was about 20, yeah, because it was the lockout of, like, 2012, 2013, mm. I stumbled upon this article about Sidney Crosby. And I was like, oh, okay, it's, like, 2.30 in the morning, it's whatever. Let's go down a Wikipedia rabbit hole. And then when the lockout ended, I started watching games and I got into it. And it's just been, it's been what? Yeah, seven years because I was 26 at the time and I'm 33 now. So again, just accidents and weird coincidences have brought me into sports. So, so you become the black sheep of your family by enjoying a very normal thing such as sports, which is just beautiful. A bit, yeah. <laughs> a <bit>, yeah. <laughs> would you say? Would you say then that Crosby's your guy because he was like the first player you kind of noticed or paid attention to? I don't. See... No, not anymore. the The NHL and the just the very North American hockey culture sort of broke me yeah. in terms of like just how depressing it is and the way that they treat women and minorities is just so appalling that. Really, the thing that the thing that really broke me with the Penguins was when they went to the White House and you know yep. his his quotes yeah. about just it's not our business. Like it absolutely is your fucking business. You're standing. To, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? I swear like a. Sandwich. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Oh, good. Please, good, Meredith. Please do. Yeah, we'll we'll lose some <laughs> listeners if we don't swear. I think so. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> fantastic. We're in, we're in a company then. But yeah, that just that enraged me, and that just that's really what part of really what broke me away from the NHL and then watching, um, watching Slava Voinov be sort of inched back into the league after that absolutely horrific domestic violence case that I just, it just, it hurts me. It hurts me as a woman. It hurts me as a human being who tries to be semi-decent that this would be allowed, that this is somehow a right that you can play in this league and not a privilege that you've completely fucking broken. I just, Oh, it enrages me. The, the thing with the whole, 
Penguins in the White House, other just every team has been to the White House since Trump got in, and especially with the with the Voinov thing, like it's such burying your heads in the sand, saying oh, you know, separating the office from the person or whatever. It you is. know, it's not our business. Like for a for a league and for a sport that the culture is so entrenched in accountability, yes. to to not have that social accountability in the most key moments is just it, it's insanity. That's Absolutely a wonderful mental. way of putting that, and I couldn't agree more. It's it's a shame that we have to agree on such a thing, though, isn't it? It's, oh. it's and, and we we've said time and time again, Meredith, like this league does everything it can to to tell women and minorities that we do not want you, we do not like you, we don't care for your business, and we can yep. give a monkeys whether you're watching or not. So it's it's good that with the power of the internet in 2019 that there are other avenues, like yeah, like you say. Uh, we we're barely even covering women's hockey in North America or, mm. or Western Europe, let alone Scandinavia. So it's incredible right. that you're able to be out there and doing that sort of work and exposing people to to other ways of consuming hockey, which aren't as morally bankrupt as the NHL. I try, I try. Um, it's been it's been cool just in the couple of years that I've been doing this to see like more and more people, even if it's just a handful of people who never knew that these leagues existed, just to see that little that little seed being planted of people paying attention. Just like, all right, cool. This is good. This is worth it. This is this is what I want. And again, like, it's not totally morally bankrupt yet, which is always a plus. Well, I was I was going to ask, like, do you do you see in in the women's game at large, like, those stark differences that it, you know it's absent of uh, traditional hockey culture as we know it? Is that generally absent from from women's hockey? Um, would you say it's harder for me to say that about the North American game because there is definitely a lot of that influence you see in um, mm-hmm. the players from the United States and from Canada. But um, the things that I love about the women's game that you see more blatantly is you see more blatantly out LGBTQ players, yeah. which is wonderful. And there's not the shame and the stigma about not being heterosexual that comes in with just, you know, the sexism and the misogyny of the men's side. Um, there is still isn't a lot of diversity, which is again, partly an economic thing because the game is expensive to start and to play. But then the women's game also faces the struggle of it's women playing. They're not going to get the same stuff. They're not going to be treated the same way, but I do think there is more, um, there is definitely more of a progressive attitude in the women's game, but depending on where you're looking at influences exactly how far it's gone and how far there still is to go. Does that come across in the same in reporting on hockey? Have you encountered any pushback being a woman or any 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 sort of, I guess, chauvinistic opinions or comments or anything like that on anything you've written? Have you ever encountered anything like that? You know, remarkably, I've been lucky. And I think because I cover such a niche area of such a niche sport, you don't find me or find my stuff unless you're already really looking for it. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've had a couple – when I've tweeted about, um, call it like, college stuff – I've gotten a couple, like I've gotten a couple of just calm down. It's not that big a deal. You know, that sort of really patronizing bullshit, but I've never had any, um, I've never had any of the really vile or really vicious, um, trolling that women in other sports get. It it seems to be when women are speaking out on, uh, you know, the mainstream sports, like, you know, the big four in America and, Mm -hmm. you know, especially in, in hockey, if you're talking about the NHL, like you say, where, where the male gaze already is. Like, you know, yes. 99% 99% of men, male fans of hockey aren't watching, you know, the NWHL or the CWHL, let alone, uh, let alone Nordic hockey. So, right. yeah, I, I can see why you'd be fortunate enough to avoid the bulk of it in in that regard. Yeah. Um, yeah, some of our some of our writers at the Ice Garden have had some have had some just nonsense to deal with, but um, 
it's been it's i mean i'm not gonna say i'm upset that i haven't had to deal with it because no one should but you know knock on wood that knock on wood that it stays that way you you can only hope that as we move on move on you know through the passage of time that it's only going to get better and better but yeah i hope i mean yeah you look at other aspects of uh of society and you think yeah, we've not made the progress that we should have yeah. in 50 yeah. or 100 years so who's to say that allowing women to enjoy sports is something that's going to change over the next few yeah we'll see we'll see what happens i try to be optimistic because if i'm not at least somewhat optimistic i might go insane but we'll just have to see and keep you know keep pushing and keep the pressure on and just keep fighting that was one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on, because Will and I are very... I mean, we just... I guess we both feel like we're just ranting into a black hole sometimes when we come <laughs> and talk about things like this, because I know that we're both... You know, we're both for every, get everybody in sports to watch everything, be who you want to be. There shouldn't be a problem. I don't want to mm. say progressive, because it's just... We just see it as, well, you should just be a normal human being and let people be... The yeah, you're being good people. Yeah, just be who you want to be. I don't see how that's... It, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be progressive. Yes, it shouldn't even be lauded as. Oh wow, this guy's not a complete no. twat. Great. Like no, exactly. just don't be that anyway. But I feel like, even on issues such as, I wanted to ask you about Austin Matthews. Um, sure. It's very noticeable that every commenter on the issue who had a public platform or who spoke about it was a man. And I never. Yep. I thought like, did nobody just go and say like, right, let's just talk to a hundred women and just say this is what happened. What do you feel? How do you feel about I this know. as a woman? And I just thought, you know, I mean, let's, here we go. What, what was your read on the situation? Because Will and I ranted about this for a good 25, 25 minutes. <laughs> I was furious. I mean, like, one of the, I don't know if this is like, the, if it's like this in the UK. I know it's different in some of the countries that I've traveled to. But one of the things that American girls are raised with is we are just sort of naturally aware. And I don't want to say afraid, except that's the way it is. We just have this we have this air of caution about us that is passed on from our moms down through the generations of things happening to us, like be crimes being perpetrated against us by men. And so the notion of a group of guys or even one guy coming to your car at two 30 in the morning, drunk, being an idiot is terrifying. It doesn't matter that she's a security guard and probably has been trained for situations like this. That's completely irrelevant. The notion of being approached by strange men in, any situation at 2.30 in the morning is absolutely terrifying. Not to mention you're going to pull your pants down because you think it's funny. That's garbage. The whole thing was just absolute garbage, and I'm not mad at all that she decided to press forward and press charges against him because that was the response that I saw from all the women on Twitter that I follow was just, I would be scared out of my fucking mind because you don't know what's going to happen to you in that situation. You don't know what influence this person is under, whether it's like a depressant substance, whether it's a stimulant, like if you try to fight back, are they going to even feel it? And so just the absolute terror that goes through you at something like this, I don't even think it can really be described unless you've experienced it. And so for people to downplay this as, oh, he was drunk. Haven't you done stupid shit when you were drunk? Yeah, but you know what? I've never approached somebody at 2.30 in the morning and assaulted them essentially. That was just horrifying. And the length that the lengths that people went to to minimize her fear and to minimize what he did. And I mean, it's not like in fairness, it's not like a Voinoff situation. It's not like there was violence involved, but the threat of violence is absolutely a crime. I can't remember which one is assault, and which one's battery in criminal law here, but just the, th just that 
fear hanging over someone is absolutely a, is absolutely a weapon. And women know that women, minorities, non-binary people, trans people know this, that that fear in itself is absolutely a weapon and is absolutely as traumatizing as the event itself in a lot of ways. The, the most disappointing aspects of the Matthews case, you know, aside from the, the heinous act itself, is the fact that Matthews, one of the new faces of the league, one of the new superstars ushering in a new generation. And not a white perp- man at that. Not a white man at that. The problems are still going to be with us. It's not like... Yes. Yeah, it's not like you can say, "Oh, Patrick Kane's part of the old guard. He's going out of Andy Kane, yeah, yeah etc." They're they're moving out. We're progressing in uh, it, you know, within the culture. No, no, we're not. The new face of the league is out there doing exactly the same sort of shit exactly. that his predecessors before. So we aren't making any noticeable changes. No, no, and especially the I can't remember the guy's name, and I don't think I want to, frankly. But the commentator coming out maybe a couple of days or maybe a week after this yep. became public and saying like. He just needs to be like Patrick Kane and win a couple of cups and move on from this. Like, are you fucking joking? That... He's, an, he's an incredible role model, Patrick Kane. I don't know what you're talking about, Meredith. Uh, uh, forgive, forgive me. Forgive me. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Scoring goals beats everything. It's fine if you just score some goals. Oh, exactly. Just win. Just win. You're completely yeah. absolved of any responsibility. If only Jack the Ripper had scored more <laughs> ice hockey goals, he'd have had a completely different legacy. Completely different. If he'd have played centre forward for the Charles Charlie Charles eleven, history would have been totally different. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! If only I could draw. I want to draw that now. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is a webcomic waiting to happen. <laughs> And that, yeah, that was what annoyed Will and I as much, even as much as what Matthews did. And we, we talked about because I grew up as in a, I'm an only child and I grew up on my own with my mum. And she instilled in me, like, you have to understand how the world looks to women. Don't just yeah. assume you see it as the way everyone else sees it. Right. And, you know, it's thankfully a lot of my friends have grown up in the same way that they understand that if you're even a different, you don't even have to be a woman. You can be a different, a man, but a different color. You can be a different sexual orientation. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If you're not a straight white guy, the world is different for you and people have yes. to understand that. Absolutely. The thing that annoyed me and Will as well was the fact that nobody just came out and said, what the fuck was he doing? What an absolute dick. Even if right. it drives us mad all the time. And we've ranted about this plenty of times, but I always say, at what at what level, when is the point where a teammate will go in front of the media and say, my teammate has really fucked me off. I'm really annoyed with him and he'd better sort yeah. this out because I am not happy. Matthew's teammates are coming out saying, well, you know, of course, we're going to support him through this. And we're just like, right. what are you talking about? I don't. He's not the one that needs support. Yeah, nobody exactly. in the media wants to say anything. They're all so scared of losing their fucking job or something. They're all just like, well, it's not good. Well, no, no, you don't understand. It's not. It's worse than not good. It's really, really bad. His installation of fear in that <clears throat> woman at that time is insane. And I just that drives us mad as well. It's just the lack yeah. of, I guess, balls to just say, you know, this is bullshit what he did. Yeah. Yeah, and you know that the one person that did stand up would be ostracized, which is even... Exactly. exactly. Oh, goddamn the NHL. Love the sport, <laughs> hate the culture. <laughs> yeah. And I think that goes for more and more people nowadays. Like, yeah. it's it's the prevailing opinion of the league, like, for for various reasons, be it for the sort of financial and economic way that they're leaning and stuff like that, or more importantly, the social aspect of it. Yeah. The, the fact that we still have teams out there who don't have a mandated you can play night is baffling. Yeah, that's, teams right, that's the another thing that just, I'm so, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but that's no, the thing no, that you're fine, drives me insane is because 
they won't even there's only a handful of teams that will even come out and say this is a pride night they're going to just cover it under this banner of hockey is for everyone if they even do that which is up for debate depending on which team you're talking about they won't straight up say this is a pride night for lgbtq fans they won't just even come out and acknowledge the section of their fan base that is not heterosexual and it drives me ballistic and one of the reasons that again that i gravitate towards the women's game is because there is such a such more acceptance that these people oh my god these people actually exist did you know that lgbtq people exist and are happy when hey we get a bone thrown at us even or that hey we spend our money on something and we get acknowledged it's shocking to think that people might want to be acknowledged but no no i'm sure he's probably sick of being the poster child for it but imagine in what sort of world would we be able to have like a Harrison Lee type figure in the NHL? It's just, it, I mean, we can't even. Harrison Lee's the. He came out as trans for, I think, one of the NWHL teams. Oh, so Harrison might be Brown. Getting, Harrison Brown. Harrison Brown, sorry. Yes. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. It's Forgive okay. me there. Oh, you're but good. No. In, in what sort of world could we have a, a Harrison Brown type figure in, in the NHL when we can't even have, like, say, an openly openly gay member of the, of the league, let alone, you know, someone trans or non binary or anything right. like along that lines of things that's i don't know that that's going to happen in any of our lifetimes frankly definitely not i think we'll see the heat death of the sun before we see that (laughs) (laughs) but it speaks to your point meredith of of how much more progressive the the women's game not to discredit it but it's almost by by default you know women's hockey in itself has to be progressive because it's going against the norm having women play hockey i agree with i agree with you just the act of putting on your skates and going out there and owning how amazing you are and not downplaying that, Hey, I can do this thing and I can do this thing. Well, that in itself is an act of rebellion. And I love it. There has been talk about the NHL starting up and financing in some way, a women's league. Do you, yeah. do you think that would be a good idea? or <clears throat> I'm not sure how I feel about this because as we've talked about the NHL's attitude towards women is less than stellar. Um, I think Gary Bettman's priorities are elsewhere. Um, he's got what 31, yeah, 31 owners now to keep happy. I don't think that these owners are necessarily even remotely interested in having some of their money or some of their time being dedicated at all to a women's league. And one of the things that we see with before the CWHL folded is the men's team, the NHL teams that were involved in the CWHL, even a little bit. We're giving them so little money compared to how much these people had. Like, like Jeremy Jacobs with the Bruins, like never got involved with the Boston Blades, even though they had years before um, the Boston Pride came onto the scene. They never did anything with it. The MLSE was only giving the Toronto Furies twenty thousand dollars a year out of their however much they have. They have a shit ton of money, and that's all they gave them. Jeez. So there's been no evidence that says that not the front, not the front office, but like the. Uh, I guess the the money cogs. There's, a, I'm sure there's a better way to phrase that. Of the NHL are really interested, really interested in doing it, and doing it right. And that's the thing. If they're going to do it, they need to do it right because I feel like they'll get one chance. And if it if they blow it by just not giving it the resources it needs, then people instantly go, oh, oh, see, see, we told you women's women's sports isn't profitable. Women's sports can't be viable, and just pounce on that as an excuse why this shouldn't happen. I. <laughs> I'm really skeptical. I know there are people who do really want the NHL to get involved in a really meaningful way, but 
I'm so skeptical of them doing it in that meaningful way, as opposed to just like, well, this is a thing we need to have to pretend like we actually give a shit about women. So I, if it's done well, I think it may be able to be a good thing, but I will kind of believe it when I see it. Definitely. I, I think the problem that, that comes from that is the fact that the NHL are the de facto sort of international body for hockey they are the the top body you know the IIHF does does what it does but mm-hmm. you know for for football you got fifa for hockey right. it is the nhl and that's the in problem a lot of ways where, it is yeah yeah I, I, I really think so and that's the problem where the leading body for a sport internationally is a private league with privately owned teams yeah like the nhl doesn't give a monkeys about pushing uh, push it, you know, growing the game, pushing the sport forward. It's purely a profit exercise for its, it's own. It's profit seats. exercise, and it's 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 maintain it's maintaining the status quo of having these, you know, the quote unquote two hundred hockey men at the top of the pyramid of all of mm-hmm. this. It's about keeping them in place, and you know, really gatekeeping and restricting access for people who want to join that top tier. And the NHL has been the NHL as a whole has been interesting about the women's leagues in North America, like they've said, when the CWHL was still in existence, they said, you know, we're just, we're not going to get involved. We're not going to get involved. And so they've, their thing is, while there's a viable, I guess, women's league that they're not going to get involved is what they say, at least publicly, but who knows what's going on behind the scenes. There have been rumors of this. And if the NWHL continues the um the really good trajectory they've had over the past couple of months you see them almost like at least once a week it seems like they're getting a new sponsor and even if that's just a couple dollars here and there the fact that there are people willing to do business with them i think speaks to the quality of what they're working to build and the um the steady progression that i think is required to actually make this successful yeah but if the if the nhl gets involved are they going to give players the living wages that they deserve are they going to give them the conditions that they deserve what are they what are they going to do what sort of guarantee are we going to see that they're actually going to give a shit about this if they do it i think the the proof's in the pudding at the moment where while the cwhl and the nwhl were side by side gary mm-hmm. Bettman was saying oh we don't want to be seen choosing sides over yes. two leagues and now we have one league left and surprise surprise there's no uh no backing from the nhl so it's yep. like it's just it's, it'll scrabble for any excuse to not be involved with exactly. the women's exactly. game for as long as he can exactly and i think too like i don't exactly know how the cba works and all that but um there's to my understanding i could be very wrong about this there is no yet no guarantee that the NHL isn't getting locked out next season. I think it's less of a chance than there was a couple of months ago, but that hanging over um, that hanging over the league and that is high up on Gary Bettman's list of priorities. And I think you know pre- preventing another labor stoppage is absolutely going to take priority over starting a women's league for him and for the owners. Yeah, absolutely. And then with Seattle coming in a couple of mm. years down the line, there's there's a lot on the NHL agenda to get out of the way before they're going to, you know, in some ways, have time to think about getting involved with women's league. Exactly. Or at least that's that's how they'll look at it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like with any large organization. There's always going to be people available to work on something. It's just whether you <laughs> want them to work on something or not. And whether you want them to work on something, and whether you're going to give them con- the conditions to succeed while they're doing it. Like, are you just going to, I don't know, throw them an old laptop and, you know, some crumbs, or are you actually going to invest in them and wait for your investment to blossom? No, I, uh, 
I, I think that if we ever do see like an NHL-backed uh, women's league, it's it's probably going to resemble the NHL in the fifties with like no player rights and Dear God. no minimum wage and all that nonsense. Well, like, that's a terrifying thought right there. I'd I, I'd specialize in terrifying thoughts, man, especially <laughs> when it comes to the ones from Gary Bettman's brain. Oh, oh, that that oh. oh yeah, Will and I talk quite a lot about how the the on ice product is always countered by everything we just hate about everything we've just discussed about hockey. Mm-hmm. And we find it really hard to not be. And we every we seemingly every week have to say, "All right, sorry, folks. I know this is meant to be a fun show, but we've now got to talk about X, Y, or Z because again, yeah, some absolute moron or idiot has done something ridiculously stupid." Okay, thank you to Meredith. Part two is next week, where we get on to the Swedish women's national, the, the Swedish women's national team, and the whole situation there with them. Essentially, trying to be treated like grown women and adults, and not second-rate people. So, look around for that. The, okay. Sorry, Dan. Just to interject, the great the great thing about this first part of Meredith was, you know, the, the I thought was getting a sort of first-hand and a different perspective on all the social wrongs with the NHL. Actually, having someone yes. on who's who's more directly connected and, and directly affected by the way that the NHL acts towards women and minorities in, in the community is yeah really good perspective to get in rather than just two cis hetero white males in england trying to you know have some social commentary on things in north america it's something that i i've mentioned to all before kind of in private is that i want to get people on who are lgbt or i want to get on people i want to get on women i want to get on people of mixed race or you know different nationalities i want other people to come and talk to us because like i said we're two white guys we don't see the things that should be seen because it's just it just doesn't come across our radar. And we want to, like Meredith said, I think she says I think she says in next week's interview she says that even though she's got her little corner of the world in what she does, if she can get it out there that these things need to happen, then that's great. And that's what we feel as well. So that's why I wanted to get Meredith on as well was to give that um, to give that perspective. Okie dokie. Should we start with your beloved Green Dallas Stars? Two wins in a row. Dallas Stars. There you go, mate. Turning it round. Ship's turning round. Really, really turning it round. It all started with that fantastic performance in Philadelphia on Sunday, where they uh, had 13 shots on goal. Uh, and <laughs> oh my two, god, did they? Two shots in the last 40 minutes, <laughs> and eked yeah. out a two-one win. That was a big turnaround. Everything's fine now, Dan. Everything's fine now. Because in what world can't you win a sufficient amount of games to make the playoffs when you, you know, have one shot in the second period and one shot in the third period. Well, it's the way forward, I think. Low, low event hockey, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Just keep everything nice and boring and simple, and I'm sure you can grind out enough wins. It's, it's like playing the trap to an extreme, where you're even trying to just yes. trap stifle your own offense, just stifle all offense, full stop. They they actually um took a really quite unique approach to the game, where they called up another four goalies and iced six goalies. <laughs> Five of them were in skater positions, but just with that ethos of stop the puck. It's um, if if I may just take it and go, Dan. It's not been a good start for the stars. I don't know if anyone's noticed. <laughs> Aside from the, uh, yeah, the last two games, it's it's still not going very well. You were jibing the Ottawa Senators earlier for having a piss poor power play. The stars are much better. They're rocking at a nine point four percent clip, out of uh, a whopping thirty two. 
opportunities. They're three, seven, and one. In, <laughs> hold on, sorry. Do you know NHL.com lists ties? <laughs> I'm looking at the power, <laughs> the power play specific page for uh, for NHL.com, and it has it has ties on there. <laughs> Again, though, I feel like this is. Oh my you. god. Because you shouldn't be on NHL.com. Just... <laughs> this, this is uh, just convenient sometimes. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, they they've only had. <laughs> oh my god! They've only had one regulation win, one OT win, and one uh, shootout win, which makes up their three wins so far. It's not going very well, Dan. It's not going very well, and and the crux of that, which we can't really quantify that well at the moment or at least hasn't been evident in the stats that we can quantify, is their lack of creativity in the offensive zone. When they manage to take the zone down, it looks like they're, they're top-end forwards. You know, your, your Sagans, your Benz, your Pavelskis, your Radulovs, they don't know what they're doing. They're either overpassing, they're just not shooting full stop, they're you know, skating in with a three-on-two and, and just having a weak shot rather than moving the puck around. They've, they've basically got nothing... You combine that with an inability to set up on the power play. Firstly, an inability for the first the first unit to even take the zone, like let alone set up on the power play. And then secondly, to not be able to set up. They're, they've had two power play goals so far this season in memory serves. One comes off of a Rupe Hintz rush, which has basically been the only way they've been able to score goals this season. And the second one coming a couple of nights ago from uh, Pavelski cleaning it up in front of the net, which is what he's employed to do. Defensively fine, offensively abysmal has been the, the summary of the stars so far this year. There were a few people's kind of sneaky picks to posh on a little bit. Oh, Maybe Jesus. The, surprise, the surprise teams. I, don't know. <laughs> I think you referenced it in the first show back of the new season. I don't know why people are doing that, because they're just not a very good team. But... Like we said last season, they were one. They were they score an OT goal, they knock out the Stanley Cup champions. And again, no one says they're going to go in and win it. But you think, well, okay, now they had Joe Pavelski. There's some more goals. That's that's all you needed. The the thing with that is Dan. Like so, the last couple of seasons we've been saying you just got to get in. Yeah, you got to be in it to win it. As long as you get into the playoffs, that's all that matters. Then you've got a chance of winning the cup. It doesn't matter if you're the first seed or the eighth seed. Which is all well and well and true. Like fair enough, I I do agree with that to some extent. But like we were saying about the Devils last year, last week rather, the Stars were a ninety-three point team in the regular season. As much as the regular season doesn't matter for like your Toronto's, your Tampa's, your Boston's, and and teams of that, I would say the Sharks, but uh, that kind of doesn't really work this season. <laughs> um, <laughs> the regular season absolutely does matter when you scrape into the playoffs in the first place. They were the eighth seed last season on 93 points. And that was on the back of some incredible goaltending from both Ben Bishop and Anton Hudobin. So to even have that... Yeah, that was, that was a thing, wasn't it? That, but, that, that, even, but even if they're just a league average, that's going to be good enough. Well, that's what you'd think. Well, in theory, but if you're getting stellar Vesna calibre goaltending and you're getting 93 points... <laughs> League average ain't going to be good enough, is it? That's a good point. That's that's the thing. And, you know, all due respect to Joe Pavelski, but, like, he he spent the last... Well, he spent the entirety of his career in, in San Jose, and we've seen it time and time again, a, a one-club one, mat, one club man 
going to a new team in a new part of the country and stuff like that, he's not necessarily going to have the best year of his career, is he? Let alone when you combine in the fact that the geezer's 35 years old. Don't get me wrong, I was excited to get Joe Pavelski. I thought he was an absolute steal on that contract to an extent. But he's it's still, it wasn't a very good team last year and I still don't think fundamentally they're a very good team. And they're showing that by coming out of the gates 3-7-1 and one so far. I think all it's going to take is somebody from the front office to come out, call them all a bunch <laughs> of twats, and they'll be fine. That's all they needed last season, so that's they'll just do it again this season and they'll, they'll be all right. Do you, do you want to know what I'm truly, truly concerned about for my beloved Dallas Stars, Dan? This is getting to no, getting to some real talk, aren't we? Oh, yeah. Oh, without a doubt. They're basically Ottawa, but without the uh, publicity, or soon could become Ottawa without the publicity. How can you say that? Mate, I'm not... Obviously, there's... There's certain... It's a crazy fan talking. You still care. That shows you still care. No, but, but, but there's certain supernatural uh, things that you can't possibly account for. Like, you know... <laughs> ODCC setting someone on fire at a barbecue, um, and you know all of the all the extracurricular mental shit that's going that went on in Ottawa, and probably will continue yeah. to go on with. It's it's not normal for your CEO to come out and act as a mouthpiece for your owner and call your two best players fucking horse shit. It's not normal, is it, Dan? Do, Je- all right, Jeremy Jacobs. Well, I don't know. Well, in this new era of the NHL, where. It's all about marketing. I don't know, Will. Maybe, maybe it is a new thing. Maybe he's really you, think, you think Jim Lights was cutting a promo on, on Tyler Sagan? Yeah, I do. Tyler Sagan, I'm telling you. <laughs> um, I, I just think like they're, they're a bit... We've seen this story before. One overtime goal away from knocking out the eventual Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, all right, all right, all <laughs> et cetera, right. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Fair point, fair point, fair point. I, I, I'm just saying, it's not it's not normal. Probably 29 other owners in the league that wouldn't come out and chastise their number one centre for having a um, having a poor shooting percentage. The only two exempt like from that. Said, I like how you said 20. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's Eugene and, uh, <laughs> and me and Green Tom Gallardi. It's uh... a... <laughs> Oh dear. Can... Uh, all right, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Oh, thank you. They usually are. I still think they'll be okay. I do. I. I think they've got. A... I think they've got enough good players there. Like you say, Pavelski. It's going to take time for him to settle down. And I know it's we're games into the season already. What ten games in or something like that for some teams. I still think they'll be all right. I still think they'll be there or thereabouts. Do you, Do you think that? Well, that's the thing though. There or thereabouts ain't good though, is it? Yeah, but that's all you can hope for in the NHL. That's all you can hope for. Wait, when you when you say it, you want to win, you want to win the cup, but one team wins. That's it. There's thirty other teams, and you just say, "Ah, we're there, thereabouts." Hopefully, you get better again next season, and you go again. And that's you know, there's nothing else you can hope for. Is there? Mate, I just want to make the playoffs. This is a team that hasn't made the playoffs in back to back back years in almost 11, 12 seasons now. No, I think I think I'll make it to the playoffs again this year. <sighs> that's mental. That's absolutely balmy. <laughs> Come on! I am, I am, I am, I am like for a crazy prediction, aren't I? I am one to do that. So. <laughs> like predicting Carolina to be a good team. What a, what an insane thing to think! Colorado. Um, <laughs> I'm not insanity. Nah, mate, it's not happening. I'll, I will bow to your superior knowledge. I'm not saying you're wrong. You're probably. Oh, it's not. Right. I wouldn't call it superior knowledge, but thank you very much. But again, I am, 
as we know, I'm Mr. Intangibles. And I think I still think they'll turn over. Mate, the teams oh. ahead they still have to jump San Jose. Like the fact that the fact that the Sharks are not in the playoffs at the moment as well is what gives me even. I know, but dude, it's not like it's just like Winnipeg and Arizona that are ahead of them. Like the Sharks are ahead of them. Got so long to go. Come on, I feel like I'm talking off a ledge here. <laughs> you are, you are. If there was a tall enough building in Norfolk to jump off of, I probably would have already. It's very fortunate that I live in the flattest county in 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 England. If we were still in Kent, God, mate, Arlington House, I'd have been at the top. I'm gonna get a t- I'm gonna get a text off you, Misses. I've got some bad news. Dan Wills jumped off the tallest building in the county. Oh my God, what happened? No, he's just kind of tweaked his. It's not to, not to bury the lead, Dan, but Saturday there's a, a big old promenade balcony come thing. So um, oh, really? yeah, maybe I'll jump off that and spray my knee just. To... You heard it. You heard it here first, folks. I may be the first time I meet Will. I may be witness also to his death. So Will's gonna try and top himself at his wedding. <laughs> Valentin Zykov has been suspended for 20 games by the NHL for substance abuse. I'm, I'm buzzing for in this new era. Be, Sorry. In what seems to be, I don't want to say there's a deadly pattern emerging here with the Vegas Golden Knights, but the Nate Schmidt laugh. No, not even just the Golden Knights, like Russian players. Like, ah, if it works for Kuzi, it'll work for me. <laughs> Oh yeah, God! I didn't even think. I didn't, this is how fast it moves. I didn't even think Koozie. How crazy is that? I made so many jokes about him as well. I didn't even think about that, mate. I, I don't know what direction to go with this. So, sorry, no. You get the get the get the information out first before I, before I okay carry on. After Nate Schmidt last year, the statement from Vegas came out. We don't know what he's done wrong. We we check all our players. We believe him. He came out and said, "I have no idea what's gone on. I believe it, it might be this." but I've got no idea. I'm very anti it. I don't like it. Even Vegas said the same thing. We stand by our guys. Then follow that with this statement about Mr. Mr. Zykoff here, which was read by a man in a black hood holding an axe. Vegas said that Valentin has knowingly used a banned substance without the consent, recommendation, or knowledge of our team, which essentially says, well, he done fucked up. And then Zykoff released his own statement, which was essentially, I don't know, but what can you do? <laughs> So we are to believe that he has actually done something wrong. I've repeatedly found this unknown white substance in my wallet and the only way to identify what it was was to sniff it. And here we are. When I finally when I finally noticed three naked women in the room with me, I left immediately, not talking to anybody. <laughs> I still can't get over the fact that we've got video evidence of Cousy. <laughs> fucking like ready to smash a few rails after showing his mate a meme. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So look, he is a cat, also has a rainbow coming out of his ass. It is unbelievable. <laughs> Where's my devil's dust? <laughs> Wait a minute, who's that woman? Oh my god, I better leave. Oh Jesus Christ. I d I don't know which beautiful new future we're living in, Dan. And it's gonna come become evident in the next few months. It's either the beautiful new future where all the Russian players are smashing the Charlie and just don't care about it anymore. Or it's <laughs> potentially a more beautiful future where all the Vegas Golden Knights are smashing PEDs and don't care. <laughs> just don't care whatsoever. <laughs> maybe somebody maybe somebody's played a trick on them by swapping out their salt for something in like the team canteen or something. I don't know but Or just the smelling salts. Something on the food over there. <laughs> oh yeah. Repeatedly on the bench salts. which has got loads of video evidence of, of the Golden Knights like huffing I don't know, ball testosterone or whatever. 
It's, it, that statement though from Vegas was very damn. It's very damning that he's clearly done something and they know. And he's always just gone to them and said, "Oh yeah, sorry, this is what I did." I, I forget who I've read it from, but like apparently he's been taking the stuff for years, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolute exactly. years. It's it's a perfect storm. The fact that he's Russian and that he plays for the Knights. What more could you ask for? Jason Zucker caused a stir this week by calling out his head coach and everyone else, but more specifically calling out his head coach by name. Oh, and. Also, I guess you. I guess you've not seen it. No, I. I feel like it might have. Bri- you know, when you see things that are like alluded to, and there's just no, <laughs> no explanation yeah, of it whatsoever. No. But this is one of those hockey things that isn't actually anything. But then we all lose our shit over it because something actually happened. He said after I can't remember after what I can't remember after what game it was, but he said that I think more than a meeting is going to have to jumpstart us. To be honest with you. It's got to be each individual guy from Bruce on down. Bruce has got to be better. We've got to be better. Everyone's got to be better. That's it. He then, of course, had to apologise because hockey, saying, I'll start first. This is a couple of days after. I'll start first by apologising to Bruce. There was no reason for me to use his name in that quote in any way. My intention uh, with the quote was to state everyone needs to be better. 99.9% of that is on the players. So there you go. You've heard it for the first time. What do you think? Nothing really wrong in that, is there? Like, you, uh... I don't know. It's very, it's, again, it's it's very not hockey, but he's right. If that team's absolute dog shit, which the Wild were before they won two games, he's right. Even the coaching has to be better. The players have to be better. Everyone, if, if you're if you're that bad, then there's something wrong with everybody, and everyone's got to chip in. And I get it. It's not the hockey way, but he's right. And to be and Boudreaux said, he, "Yeah, I, I don't give a shit. You know, it's fine. He's right. We've all got to be better." So it, it was nothing. Like there's nothing between them. It's, that, that's nothing and nothing. But it's one of those things again. It's hockey, and you know, oh my god, he mentioned the coach by name. It's it's the thing where like you know, if you're saying that a team has to be better, that includes the coach. Otherwise, you're saying yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you if you exclude the coach from that saying, from that you know sort of uh, you know call to arms, as it were. You're saying that the coach has no input, like no positive input or whatever. Like every, yeah. you know, by by saying that you know your your best players have to be better and your worst players have to be better, like everyone, everyone's included, sort of thing. So, yeah, good on good on Boudreaux for not having a go at him for for doing that sort of stuff. If if it was the NBA, nobody'd give a shit. I wanted to mention a couple of signings. I've. I've... I was kind of interested that it took this long for somebody to sign Brian Boyle. And I know we're not, you know, I know he's not sort of, he's, he's signed to the Panthers one year, 900,000. But he scored 18 goals last year. Did he? No, he <laughs> exactly. No, he fucking didn't. He scored 18 goals last year. Brian, Brian Boyle. Brian Boyle scored 18 goals last year. That's fucked up. And for a fourth line guy making 900 grand, I I think I'm sure. I'm sure I said this on the preview, or or maybe the one before the preview show, that there were Jesus. still people out there to be signed. And I said, I'm surprised no one's signed Brian Ball yet. I, I like his game I, for a fourth line guy. I think he does a good. Job. I didn't even know he was not signed. Yeah, I, I love a bit of Brian Boyle. That's mental. 18 goals. Do you know Brian Boyle has more goals and assists in his uh, in his career? That's funny. I did know that. Yeah, because I, I looked that up when I saw how many goals he scored last year. <laughs> I was like, how many points did he have then? <laughs> and then like, oh, okay. That's still crazy good. Really good. I mean, good pickup, but I always think it's a bit worrying when teams sign players at the end of October. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, I see what you're saying. A little bit I like, eh, I think it's really that bad that you've got to sign someone. And if they are, yeah. have you really done your job over the summer? Have you really? <laughs> eh. If you thought if you thought this geezer was going to make enough of a difference, you'd have signed him in July. Hell, you'd have signed him in August. You wouldn't have signed him exactly. on October the 21st. <laughs> and then, at the other end of the spectrum, Nico Hisha gets a nice large contract. Seven years, 7.25. Now, I put... Somebody, I can't remember who tweeted out the, uh, the contract, but I just, I think I put something like, sorry, how much? Or something like that. And okay, I think I'd, I will hold my hands up and just say, oh, I haven't watched enough of Heesh's game to know if he's progressed enough. The Gita had 50 points as an 18 year old, so he's got to be decent. <laughs> like, we all know that yeah. he's good. And, and like any contract for second contract nowadays, if you're getting him for eight, is it, it is eight years, isn't it? Or is it six years? Uh, he's just contract with seven years. Seven. Seven years, 7.25. So seven years, in theory, not too bad. Like, I'm, I'm going to defer to the Devils fans that you see on Twitter. They, they're happy with it. Yeah, so it's at Mella Steve replied to me. This is what he said, though. This is what he said. Deal's going to look like McKinnon's does right now halfway through. I can see that. So I then did. I then did a little, little bit of digging. So I thought, I'll go back and look at his draft class and see how he stacks up to other players in that class. So I looked at the top 10, and I looked at the top 10 who were centres, who were also taken in that class. Are you looking at Nolan Patrick by any chance? Yeah, but I, I didn't want to just... I wanted to get a proper... Because I couldn't, I couldn't remember how many centres were taken. I'm there trying. seven centres taken in the top 10. But they're really... What, in 2017? Yeah. So, All right, go on. Oh, quick, quick quiz. Go on. Excellent. He sure Patrick... So if I can just run, so if I can just run through the top ten. So he should Patrick. I'll let it out your um, I'll let it out your silence bit. So don't worry. Thank you, <laughs> my, my elongated silence. He should to the Devils, Patrick to the Flyers, Hayskinen to the Stars, McCarr to the Avalanche. Obviously, those two aren't centers. Fuck, who went fifth? Was it Barrett? No, it wasn't. No, I wasn't Barrett. Hayton. It was 2015. Ah, oh, mate, the forgotten draft class. <sighs> Can you can you one, can you give me one's a big one? One's a big one. Oh, Petterson, yeah. Petterson to the Canucks there you at go. five. There you go, Petterson go. Yeah, Petterson goes five. Can you give me the next five teams, or is that cheating too much? It'll be the next uh, the next four because number ten was uh, Owen Tippett who plays right wing for the for the Panthers. <clears throat> of the next four so centers. The next, the next pickup was who now plays for the Golden Knights. Oh shit! Cody Glass at six. Ah, uh, Leah yeah, Sanderson. Leah Sanderson at yeah. seven. Wait, so yeah. eight was was that the Oilers? No, it wasn't the Oilers because the Oilers had ah oh, shit. So number eight. Do you want the team? Eight and nine. The last two centers. Yeah, go on, go on. Give me the last two teams. So eight was the Sabers. Oh, Casey Middlestat. Yeah, of course. There you go, and nine was the Red Wings. Oh, I wouldn't have got. I wouldn't have got this one. I was. I was. Obviously, obviously, I looked at the list for the research purposes. But even looking at the list, I was like, "Holy shit, he went ninth. I God, no idea. It wasn't Michael Rasmussen, was it? It was Michael Rasmussen. Well shit, he he gives me the air of a late twenties pick. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so I just wanted to kind of 
check up on these players, see how they kind of stacked up against Hesha. Oh, Hesha's got to be miles in the head of the rest of them, isn't he? Apart from Petterson. Yeah, yeah. As it as it stands right now, because I was just curious. I was just curious. Yeah, as it stands right now, aside from Petterson, he's way better than the others, which is interesting. Oh, no. there, looking at Petterson's contract, how that's going to look when he signs his. I d- I don't know if we're going to get the same kind of thing where he's looking at Hesha saying, "Hang on a minute." I, d- I don't know why, but in my heart of hearts, I feel 8x8 eight eight for Pettersson. And if they get Pettersson for 8x8, eight eight, you're laughing. Did you know... Um, that boy that boy just packs in a bit of muscle. Oh, my God. He doesn't even he doesn't even need it. doesn't even need it. Like, that's the thing. Well, here's the thing, though. I'm, not, I'm only saying that, though, because this is going to sound really weird. But if you're a shorter player, yeah, it's fine. You don't mm. want to be stocky as shit. You want to be like nippy and speedy, but because he's tall, I think he's. I think he needs to bulk a bit. I just feel like he's a kind of. I feel like he's an old tree in the wind. Oh mate, mate, mate. <laughs> when he's on, I'm just scared of him getting snapped. In as a as a six foot nine stone hockey player, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> like, <laughs> there you go. Mate. You can sympathise. Yeah, I would you must, definitely you send Patterson a message. Just send him a send him a letter or something. I, f- I feel for you. I feel you. You out there? But <laughs> you're representing Elias. Dear Mr. Patterson, I'm writing to you today with a very, I've got great concerns about your stature. I say this as a man in your same predicament. Did you know that uh, Nolan Patrick's injured, hasn't played all year? Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that, which is a little bit concerning for a man who played 33 games in his draft year. 145 games, 61 points for Patrick. And he almost went first overall. And just for clarity as well, uh, Heesha, 157 games, 101 points. Which I think is sneakily better than I... When I looked at it, it was better than I realised he had been, actually, to be fair. Okay, who would you... As a man with no vested interest in any of the top five, how would you redraft your top five? Oh, damn it. Here you go. Here you go. I'd take Heiskinen first. Oh, thank you. Would you really? Genuinely? Yeah, I would. I think... The, the car. Oh god. The, well, to be fair, the boy's I would take good. Demon first and second. You you take Hayskinen over Hayskinen and Makar over Petson. I just do you know what that is? That's my defensive mind thinking. That's what that is. Mm. I mean, you've got to have a horse back there, haven't you? Maybe I'm stuck in the old way of thinking. I don't know. It's the classic. It's always, always. I remember this vividly, vividly. One of the first ever things I heard on Merrick versus Wyshynski was Jeff talking about teams. You always need a really good defenseman. Always. They're so rare to get that kind of, holy shit, this guy really does drive this team. I get it. Patterson's unbelievable. For comparison, we looked at, obviously, Heesha, 157 games, 101 points. Patrick, 145 games, 61 points. Patterson. 79 games, 74 points. He has missed time, but again, I think that's just him kind of growing into himself. And I think as he obviously gets bigger, and I and I think he will fill out a bit more. Mm. He's gonna be. Do you know he shoots at 19? percent That's great. Like that's one of those ones that's crazy, but it's not. It's not like 30 percent crazy. You know, it's just like yeah. Jesus Christ, he's good. I know. It's fucking ridiculous. 19. percent I mean. That's just that's just how I would build a team. I would always if I well to be fair if I had a franchise if I would always take a, if I had a franchise goalie who I could guarantee could play for twelve years and be awesome every year I'd take the goalie. 
because a goalie will save you from everything if he's on fire. We just we've seen it a million times. Yeah, but just in that draft, I, I honestly, yeah, I just think I would. I think you, I I always think you can find goals. I'm not saying it's it's hard now because it's again it's apples and oranges, and I'm gonna I'm probably gonna get roasted for this, but I always think you can you can find a player. Fucking James Neal, there you go. You can just trade for a player who's having a bad time. Get him on your team. Put your arm in. Don't do anything difficult, mate. Just stick it in the back of the net. All right, go just go and do that. You're good at that. I know you can do it. Just go and do it. Mate, you just signed Brandon Piri for one year and 750k, and you've <laughs> played him enough, and he's a 50 goal scorer. We just talked about Brian Boyle, didn't we? Yeah. He had 18 goals last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's just my way. That's just how I would build my team. I would always look for that defenseman. Even then, though, his going on the car, I think they're both really good. I think they're both really good. No, that's the thing. Like Miro's got the extra year playing versus McCarr, so it's hard to compare the two right now when McCarr's got, what, less than less than 20 regular season games under his belt. But... And McCarr's on a better team, so it helps him a little bit. Yeah. You know, his stats are going to look a little bit better because he's on a really good team. Yeah, McCarr, so... McCarr hasn't had to drag around... Roman Polak or Andre Sequeira, <laughs> and then I would yeah I would I would take probably one I would probably take one of those two. Are you are you having to choose between uh, Pettersson and Hisha? Oh no no I would take Pet if I would take Pettersson over the, over the, anyone else. Haskin and Omar and then Pettersson, and I've, I get it. I, that's but that's just how I that's just how I like I said before. I love def- I love a good defensive hockey performance. I love a cheeky one nil. I love a two one. You know, sometimes yeah, I like a team that can win seven, seven, six. I, soccer, I play defense and I play goalie. Field hockey, I play goalie. That's just how I view the game. I like to keep it nice and clean and simple at the back. Get me a guy who can move the puck around, score me a few points as well. That's that's what I like. That's good for me. That that's the thing to your credit, like with Haskin and McCarr, like you're not exactly picking, you know, Nicholas Jarvison and. Loving uh, Matthias Ekholm or anything like that, you know, it's there's still going to be chances created from those two and bloody goals scored by the dozen. Hey man, if, if things go the way if, if things go the way that everyone's kind of projecting, we might be coming back in a couple of years looking at Cody Glass and saying, "Really, you wouldn't take Cody Jeez, Glass?" Jeez, Louis, I'd, I'd tell you now, I'd, I'd, I think my top five would be, I'd probably go Pettersson, Haskinen, McCarr, Hesha, and then it'd either be Cody Glass or. or Martin Netskus, because Blumenek, like they're both having a hell of a start to their rookie seasons. Yeah, that's true. Is it like it wasn't a great draft, the 2017 draft, but it's slowly producing some really good players. Yeah, it wasn't. It was. It wasn't lauded, was it? It wasn't kind of. God, I didn't remember. I didn't remember anything about that draft really. Even like I said, when I look back at it, I couldn't have told you that Michael Rasmussen went nine. I had no idea. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Not compared to well, like have you have you kept up on this year's draft at all? Everyone's kind of raving up this is the year, isn't this it? Everyone's is, kind of like holy shit. This is mental, absolutely mental. Like, like if we can get enough picks this year, we're set for life kind of Jesus thing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so like Lafreniere, uh thirty four points in thirteen Kieran Chow games. <laughs> 20, so 24 assists and Fucking and bloody Byfield's got 27 in 13 in the OHL as well like mate I I mentioned it off the top like this Byfield kid is going to be 
offensive. Like, ab- the geezer's a tank and he scores for fun. Like, I'm buzzing, absolutely buzzing for him to get into the league next year. And then the two Swedish kids, Holt and Raymond as well. And then there's, there's a, I think there's a Russian goalie. I forget his name. There's like guys like Marco. Oh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be. Uh, uh, ask, ask, uh, ask. Oh God, Askarov. Askarov, that's the one. Yeah, he's meant to be. Oh, I forget. I think it was the coach of like the Canadian under 18s that was just saying, yeah, we couldn't. Like you, know, you game plan for a goalie generally just in a. Oh, he's quite. He's good at this. He's good at that. But rarely do you come across a goalie that's piece of shit hot. What can you do? Yeah, yeah. There's a lad from Finland as well. He played in. He played in Liga last year, and I, I think he was averaging. I think it was a half a point a game. But obviously, he was like you know he's like fucking seventeen or something. Oh, it's Lundell. Lundell. Anton Lundell. Anton Lundell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Two way centre. He's he yeah he everyone's kind of raving about him as well. Come on, mate. Yeah, this yeah this draft coming up is absolutely stacked. That's going to be ridiculous. Absolutely buzzing. The German kid Tim Stoltz as well. Right, let's uh, let's move on rather than waxing lyrical about <laughs> about the draft, which is what eight nine months away. <laughs> so there we go. Yeah, Nico Hisha. I, yeah, worth that contract. Looking back at it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think so. Oh, that was it. Sorry, the one thing the one thing I wanted to mention about Hisha as well. Go on. 59, 59 giveaways, 98 takeaways. Jeez, but they always compared him to Datsuk. They always compared him to Datsuk. And um, yeah. it definitely seems that like I wasn't a uh, wasn't an unfounded comparison. Last thing uh, before we move on to Man vs. 8-Year-Old was Drew Doughty said in an interview last week that, you know, looking to put it to bed now. I don't really talk about those kind of things anymore. Let's just get on with it. Whatever. Let's just play hockey. He tries to quash everything and then... Matthew Kachuk and Drew Doughty get into a little tangle and it causes Mark Giordano to go Superman. Picked up by Kachuk. And he gets taken out and a good check by Drew Doughty who goes low on Kachuk. And this is the first of Doughty and Kachuk of any significance we've seen and it's a giant dog pile. These guys have been pretty quiet tonight in terms of playing against each other but it erupts here in the third period in a game that's out of reach. And it all started with that hit by Dowdy on Kachuk. And it comes flying in from the left-hand side of the screen into a, a King's Flames dog pile. So, I'd only seen the Mark Giordano thing. <laughs> and, like, still, I didn't know this ended up in a brawl. Mate, that Dowdy hit... Fair, we, we always say about, like, players coming to the defence of someone who's received a clean hit when all they see is their teammate flat out on the ice or whatever and there's sort of an element of understanding for that this doubt he hits low <laughs> that is yeah i mean I lucky that it's not that low but it's you know say say for example you were 100 feet away <laughs> and you saw this hit <laughs> you might be you know you'd be forgiven for thinking it was a low bridge <laughs> excuse me jeez louise fair play there was a there was a nice big dog pile a, a bundle I just, as I you just, could I've say got... So I've just got an image of Giordano in my head, just super. Mate, absolutely, like, doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> just straight in. Just, yeah, just full in, full in. And the, the, and this, is, <laughs> this is after, so there was this relatively low hit, and then 
at the point that Giordano comes and Superman's in, it's basically just Mac Chuck repeatedly cross-checking a downed Drew Doughty. I'm coming, Matt. I'm going to save you. <laughs> that that man might snap your stick. <laughs> With his face or his back <laughs> or his head. <laughs> and here's my first one of these of the season. We need a playoff series of this. Oh, Give me seven mate. minutes. Take a drink. Mate, like... What we need to do is we need to have the the season end and like the yeah the standards be set and then the NHL decide to change whatever format they have so that you get the Kings and the uh Oh it turns out that we So we have to get we have to get Golden Knight Sharks and then King's Flames. Oh, yeah, it t- <laughs> turns out that we disregard the third seed in the Pacific Division yeah. and uh replace them <laughs> with the seventh seed. So, uh, <laughs> congratulations, Kings. And you get... The reason I brought this up as well was that Drew Darius said that his mum wasn't happy with him. <laughs> was, he well, wasn't happy with him. <laughs> yeah, after, his, after he scored that OT winner, the other <laughs> day, she said that she was... Re- she got in touch and she wasn't happy because, you know, she said what I did on the ice wasn't right. <laughs> Which I guess is a point, shouting, suck my fucking dick or something at loads of fans. And then doing the cup here thing is, you know, yeah, your mum's not going to be, too, your mum's not going to be too happy with. Oh, mate, that's the drainy thing that, like, I reckon if you're a, if you're an NHL player and like you're mic'd up or whatever, most of the time you still got a mum. You know what I mean? Like, yes. you're still going to have to hear from your mum and say, oh, I didn't think that was very nice what you did. Can't you? Can't you play nice? And like, I was a bit, I was a bit sad about it though, because I was hoping his mum would just come over the top. Like, yeah, fuck Matthew Kachuk, little prick. You can, fuck it, my Drew's going to eat his fucking You can lunch. suck my fucking dick. <laughs> She's just like flipping him, flipping him off from the stands. Fuck you, fuck you. Getting into fucking trying to climb over the glass. <laughs> like Patrick Wire versus Bruce Boudreau. <laughs> Mine versus eight-year-old. Hey, Will, you schmuck. You're going to get roasted by an eight-year-old, you fool. Unfortunately, Will, not a great week for you last week, as my daughter has now drawn level. It's now 5-all. The game that swung it back towards level pegging was that she picked the uh, the Flyers to beat Vegas. And you picked Vegas. You know, you're still level, so it's not it's not, it's not too bad so far. When I, when I finally jump on the Vegas bandwagon, they forsake me. That's, so <laughs> That's what I get. I have my, my daughter's uh, predictions here. So, for you, Will, Coyotes, Islanders. Ah, oh, mate, that's a that's a shit one, isn't it? The oats, yeah. Let's go for the oats. What's amazing is is when I asked Georgia these these questions, there's obviously five games overall. I think she took less than a second for each prediction. <laughs> Can you uh, ask Georgia between now and the next episode what rationale she has for her picks? What I I really want to know what goes into her picks, and then maybe I'll like mimic the the thinking. If I remember to do it for next week, I'll, when she does, I'll say why, and then I'll I'll, tell you, I'll report back to you. Yeah, oh, mate, yeah, for every game, that's perfect. Okay, all right. Uh, Kings, Blues. Blues. Blackhawks, Hurricanes. Canes. Preds, Lightning. <sighs> Lightning. Sharks, Sands. <laughs> oh. See, I, I love picking these games. I love picking these games. I knew, I knew. Oh. Like, oh. Fuck. That's horrible. That is horrible. I know, I know. I mean, it's still got to be the Sharks, isn't it? Does... 
But oh well, if you say so. It, it does, doesn't it? Like you'd pick the sharks in this situation, wouldn't you? Next year. Don't draw me. Don't draw me into your terrible. Decision. Next year, you're picking. You're picking the games. We'll do. <laughs> what? All right. Well, you've got to find me. You've got to find me a reasonable competition. Well, we'll, like I said, maybe a cat. Perfect. Yeah, we'll, we'll do. Ma- we'll do man versus three year old. What I'll do is I'll get. I'll get pictures of each of the team's logos, <laughs> and Luna can just point pictures and just say, "Right, that one. That's got the the kings will never get picked because they're not colourful enough." It's the sharks, and I'm going to be so. F- when when are they playing the sends? When do I know to not? Oh, I don't know. I, th- I, th- I want to say Friday or Saturday. Got it. I was going to say we're going to try to find the telecast. That you <laughs> yeah, no. Sunday, six o'clock, Blackhawks Hurricanes on Saturday. I think. Uh, I think friend of the podcast Joe has NHL TV. I assume so. We'll all be uh, after after the wedding breakfast. We'll gather around his uh, his phone, watch the Hawks Hurricanes. Sounds amazing, Mike. This is my kind of wedding. Hopefully, nothing. Yeah, hopefully. Nothing to. Uh, so the first dance is. Well, we'll cover this later. <laughs> Okay, that's your show this week. Thank you for listening, folks. Don't forget to rate, review, and all that bullshit. Will, any last words? As as you might have cottoned on from uh, the the sort of uh, nods to it throughout the season, throughout the, the season, the episode, uh, I'm getting married on Saturday. Congratulations, me. If you want to send me any wedding f- uh, presents, <laughs> please DM me on Twitter and I'll send you my bank account details. Uh, only in multiples of 50 is uh, the cash... Offerings I accept. Dude, how mad is it that this is the first time we're ever going to meet face-to-face this weekend after three seasons on this show? Mental. Mental. How many people invite what is effectively a complete stranger to their wedding? <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. Alrighty. Anyway, take care, folks. We'll see you later. Peace.